And we're recording. <laughs> Yay! Okay, uh, I'm Matt Ralston. I'm Latif. This is Filmcraft. Filmcraft podcast. We're gonna talk about making movies. And the craft of film. <laughs> we could go on forever with that. <laughs> And this, and that, and this, and we that. We just riff for like six minutes, like the craft of film and crafting film. All right, film thanks for life. tuning in, guys. These <laughs> guys really love themselves. Uh, all right, so today we're going to talk about when you first decide to get into movies um, and how when you're getting your first few jobs on set, you instill confidence into the people you work in for to make them think that you can do this job even though you don't have much experience. So I want to talk a lot about that and then just general overviews of how, like we'll tell you our stories of how we got interested in film, what brought us here, what brought us to make the medium of film, how we kind of worked our way up to making our own features and kind of, yeah, I guess just give you some hopefully inspiring stories from our lives <laughs> that are like, you could do it, man. In the baby stages of becoming a filmmaker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, let's start with Latif. How did you, uh, what are your first memories of, like, I want to do film? Getting into film, yeah. Um, it was way back in uh, college. It was mm. like my third year, and I was taking psychology, English, and business. And I'll, I really liked all the classes. Um, and my last day of class in uh, English literature, and my professor was like, hey, do you want to meet me in my office and talk? And I was like, sure. So I went and I sat down with him. He's like, so what do you want, what do you want to do after college? And then I had no answer. I was like, I don't hmm. know. You know, dance? He's like, dance. <laughs> Latif is a dancer, also FYI. I used to dance. Um, and he said, well... You ever think about writing or doing any of that stuff? And I was like, well, maybe. I don't know if writing a book is like a feasible career or mm. a life you can actually live. So I never really thought about that. But I also just like got a, got like a, my hands on a DSLR for the first time. So I was like filming anything and just like putting it together in video. And just having fun? Yeah, I was just having fun. And then I decided, oh, maybe I can write a little movie and like make a short film. Mm. And I got this book um, called... Uh, how to distribute your first short film or something. Okay. The author's name is Sharon Bedell. And I read that book, and I was like, I want to be a filmmaker, like, after that book. Cause like so everyone, that was it, eh? Yeah, that was yeah. the book. Like, everyone reads, like, something or has some experience, and I think people have very, like, someone read, like, In the Blink of the Eye, Blink of an Eye. You know that book? No, I never heard of it. Like, those are very, like, famous filmmaking books, but I read this, like, very, like, ghetto, out-of-nowhere book that no one he- heard about and had these great interviews with like directors I liked mm-hmm. and then that made me want to like become a filmmaker so awesome. next year I went into film school and then that's the story sweet um, yeah. sweet what about you? Uh, so I grew up I'm from a military family and we moved around a lot as a kid and I always like to say that I got like cheated out of that cool story of like oh yeah you know my mom or my dad was a professor or an archaeologist like the ones you see in the movie and you got to live in like Paris and Vienna and Australia it's like no I was my family was Canadian military so I got to live in the middle of nowhere repeatedly <laughs> growing up on military bases which you would never see equating to an arts career but somehow it did I remember growing up um, 
Like, I, I was a fairly good student until high school when I just didn't care anymore. But um, the only thing I ever really cared about was music and films. Like, they were they were all that really mattered to me yeah. for a brief period, skateboarding as well. But still. Um, so, for the majority of my life, I grew up in a place called Carlton Place, Ontario, which had about 9,000 people. And to give you an example of how small this town was, when I was... 18 we got the big news that we were going to get a walmart and that was like groundbreaking it was huge so before that it was like we had a couple dollar stores we had a coffee shop there was one bar and two grocery stores and that was the town there was nothing nothing there and that translated to the schools too like you had your very middle ground kind of curriculum where it was you know, your English, your math, your science and all that, but there, w- there was no real deviation into arts. They had, like, music class where you would play your usual fucking flute. Yeah, bullshit <laughs> songs from, like, the 1800s. Not to rip on them that much, but when you're 14 and 15, it's not what you want to be playing, or at least it wasn't for me. Um, they had, like, an art class where you would draw some stuff, and they had drama that no one took. So, like, there were never even avenues for me to explore that. And I picked up a bass guitar when I was 13 or 14. And then I remember I got tab books, and this will go more into music, but I got a bass guitar, I learned three songs. I learned Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet, uh, (laughs) Slither by Velvet Revolver, and Perfect by Simple Plan. And I learned those because they were in a Guitar World magazine, and that's right. all I had access to. So I learned those, and then I picked up some uh, tab Metallica tab books, and I just learned the five, first five Metallica albums, start um, to finish. Yeah. took years, but I did it. And uh, so, yeah, from then on, it was just music, music, music. I moved um, from Carlton Place to Ottawa, Ontario, where I started a band, and I did that for four and a half, five years. Um, throughout this, I had found... It's a long story getting to film, but I found my writing lyrics were gravitating towards like a story base. So I was like, man, I really want to try like writing, writing a script or doing something film-wise. So the band I was playing in fell apart, and I decided I'm going to take a film course. So I went to this place called Saw Video in Ottawa, and they had this little eight-week, they call it an intensity, intensive, but it is not. It's like one night a week for three hours. <laughs> so it's like the most brief overview of any film you could imagine. But from that, like, I didn't really learn much. I couldn't really tell you anything. I could tell you a couple stories that were funny, but, like, in terms of what I learned, all I learned was, this is cool, I dig the production side of this, and I want to do it. And one of the big things I learned playing music in Ottawa that translates to film really well, I think, is when you're doing something in arts, you want to be where that art is. Mm-hmm. I had to leave Ottawa, and I decided to go to Vancouver, which is where we are now because Vancouver is often referred to as Hollywood North and you know being Canadian I couldn't go down to LA and just start working because you know visas and all that stuff right so I came to Vancouver with pretty you know pretty set on making films and two weeks into it I got my first PA job Uh, probably a year before I bought like Save the Cat and I read that but I didn't try writing or anything until I I got here and was kind of like thrust into it. 
Um, but I had a little bit of foundation. I took that little course. Um, you know, I read a couple books and I just kind of watched movies and thought about it a lot and yeah. then made the big jump moving across the country to here. And then, yeah, we I got a job as a PA my second week in Vancouver for someone that was shooting a trailer for a horror movie, which is actually where I met Latif. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like four years ago. Wow, four years ago. I know, time flies. <laughs> yeah, that was such a strange uh, set as well. Yeah. But I just remember, it was like after I finished film school where I started yeah. to you know get on set and work a little more but then when I worked on that trailer for the film it was the first time it felt like a, a big deal to me mm -hmm. looking back it was a very small thing but like <laughs> at the time I was like oh my god this is it because there was a production meeting at a community center yep and like everyone from the crew was there and we're all sitting there and I showed up and I was like dear lord <laughs> this is it this is the real deal and I sat down and all these like adults who are older than me talking about film and looking old and such so I sat down and thought to myself I need to feel like I belong because I have like a important job on set I was just a grip it wasn't that important but <laughs> so I sat down and I was quiet I listened to what everyone was saying and when the production meeting started um, the DP who's quite experienced he's worked on a bunch of films and stuff with Jean-Claude Van Damme and whatnot yeah Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme and Martin Sheen, whatever, and I was like, whoa. I didn't know that at the time, but like later on, I, just, I knew he was very experienced, so I worked like super hard on the set. And then um, on the last day of shooting, I remember Matt was kind of just around as a PA, mm -hmm. and there weren't enough hands for like lighting and grip and stuff. So the gaffer was like, you two, team up and set up some lights. And I was like, hey man. <laughs> and then Matt's like, hey, what do you need? And I was like, this guy seems normal. <laughs> so we started putting up lights together. And the gaffer was so weird. Who we just like yelled yeah. at people and stuff. And that's, a, that's a story in its own. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's backtrack a little bit. So what did you learn in film school? Like, what did you take from it? And what do you think the pros and the cons were? Film school, okay. Well, yeah. film school is a great conversation. Because every, like everyone that's trying to be a filmmaker will have this debate. Do I go to film school or do I just learn from YouTube? Whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Yep. I think it. you have to really know what you want to do in film and be realistic about it. Because mm. I think like most people that want to get into filmmaking want to direct generally. And if you want to be a director, then I don't necessarily think it's important to go to film school for that. Why is that? Well, because directing itself, like the skill comes from experience. Mm -hmm. And um, you can get that without paying for it and that yeah Boy. you just have to start making films but I knew I wanted to be a director but at the same time I'm also a very technical person like I like to shoot with cameras and light and edit and all that stuff so I knew to learn the technical side really well I needed to go to film school so film school is a really good decision for me because I learned how to use a camera light sets and learn about lenses and get into editing like because I, I would I would be editing before film school, but when I got into film school, my editing instructor really taught me like a lot of stuff that I wouldn't be able to do like alone by myself. So mm. for me, it was a good experience, but anyone going, they should milk it, like work on as much as you can, constantly be like talking to your teachers and getting as much information, like really be a sponge. Because if you go to film school and you don't take 
all of it mm. and really take it in. It's a waste. It's a waste. Yeah, that's one thing I've heard about film school a lot. And like, just to throw it out there, I never went to film school. Latif obviously did. But I think it's a pretty common consensus among people that did go to it that all school is you get out of it what you put in, but film school is amplified. Like, if you just go and coast, you're going to burn money. And, like, here's the thing. We're in Canada, too, and, like, I moved here thinking I would go to VFS where Latif went. Um, And the one-year program I was looking at was, like, 50000 now. Like, I don't know what you paid, and you don't have to say it or anything. But to go to school for one year intensive for fifty grand and, like, not... Put, just give yourself to it and learn yeah. everything seems like a crime and then like you can even look at it on the flip side the American side there's some schools out there that are 50 grand a semester you yeah. know what I mean so like if you're going to these things it's a big commitment financially time wise and like make sure you give yourself to it which is yeah. what you're saying right because a lot of people will say the you know the best thing and this is a, this might be an unpopular opinion because like all the friends I made in film school, like they're mm-hmm. they're really good friends, and I still want to work with them. And every now and then we meet up and talk and stuff. Yeah. But that if you go to film school because someone told you the connections you make are gonna be, you know, life changing, they're not really gonna be that life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I hear, it's more like you're gonna meet sixty people in film school, and then two or three are gonna be life changing, yeah. but the rest of them kind of fall by yeah. the wayside. So don't just go for that. Go for the people, but also work your ass off. Cause go for the knowledge. If you're antisocial or you're bad at making friends and you go to film school, trying to make friends, you're going to leave with a lump of coal. Mm-hmm. You have to really know what you want and like go all completely into it. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. So I guess it really just boils down to like, do you want to spend this money to go to give yourself to it or do you want to not go? And like you can still say like, you know, I'm not going to go to film school, but I'm going to put 10000 aside and I'm going to make a movie, you know what I mean? Like, totally. Well, I guess there's a question in itself, just based off those two hypotheticals, which do you think would be better? Like, if you could go back and take half of what you spent on film school and just make a movie, would you do it? Or did you find your film school experience was so good that you would go through it a second time if you got to go back? Um, no, if, I, if, if you took me back, I'd still have to go to film school for me. Mm-hmm. Because I got so much value out of it. Um, <coughs> you have to know yourself, too. Like, if you've... Like, when I was in uh, high school, for example, like, I was not a great student. Mm-hmm. I was late all the time. My grades were, like, very subpar. <laughs> I barely made it. No one believed in me. <laughs> because you're not really given an option. So yeah. when I went to college, I kind of hacked the system, and I was not impatient. I waited until I got the classes I wanted and the mm. teachers I liked. I did really well in college. So I went to film school. You don't get to pick what you got. So you have to go into it kind of blind, mm-hmm. not knowing who the teachers are or whatever. But if you know that you're a hard worker and you're going to tough it out and get as much as you can, then it's worth it. But if you're, you've always kind of coasted through life, film school is going to beat you up, man. Yeah, it's going to kill you. It's very tiring. Exhausting. Yeah, I believe it, especially like you're cramming. So, like, you'll see universities that have four year film degrees, and when you go to something like VFS or its equivalent, like, you're condensing that into a year, one year, so you're gonna work your fucking ass off, I would imagine. Yeah, you lose a lot of sleep. Yeah, for sure. Much like being on real film sets. (laughs) It is. That's, That's the only good thing about it. You get adjusted. Okay, so let's go back even more, because, like, at the beginning of this episode, I said that I. We wanted to talk 
about those first few jobs and how you instill confidence in the people you're working for. So go back to you before film school. You mentioned you had a few editing gigs back then. Who yeah. were they for? Like, what kind of gig was it? And how did you go up to this person and say, like, look, man, um, I don't have anything I can show you right now, but I promise you I can do this. And how did you get them to believe you? Um, well, early, early, very early on, like, before I had all the technical, like, knowledge, I would, uh, I would shoot a lot of things by myself. So I had all, all these little mini projects that I made. Mm-hmm. And, like, doing that gave me enough confidence to to approach someone and be like, hey, look, I've done this. Like, I've, I shot, like, a little crappy music video for some kid once. Yeah. And it turned out decent for what it was. Yeah. So I could use something like that as leverage to get work. Or I once shot a bar mitzvah for some kid. <laughs> like, the whole thing was, I'm walking around the bar mitzvah with my camera and filming, yeah. and, and I had to cut it together after. But, like, yep. I made it look really nice. So when I got paid for the job, the dad of the kid was like, wow, like, this is really great. I love it. And he gave me, like, an extra 200 bucks. And I was like, holy shit. Money! Then he was like, so we have, like, this music school in Calgary. Do you think you'd like to come out and shoot for us? And I was like, what the hell? So you <laughs> have no idea where something's going to lead you. So yeah. Take, Did you like, end up doing that? No, it never happened. But it was just a nice mm. thing to have, like, on my mind. But Yeah, totally. Like, take as early into the game. Take as much work as you can. Don't always expect expect money because you might get something better yeah that's one lesson that I think is really huge that I see a lot of people going against I used to have that idea like you're only doing anything paid but then now that I'm older I've kind of doubled back where I used to think I need to get money then I was like well it's not that important but now Mm -hmm. I'm like Money is important, but I have to know when there's more value. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's the important thing. Like people look at it as like I'm not doing it, it unless I get paid. But really, what you should be saying is I'm not doing this unless there's value in it for me. Exactly. And value isn't necessarily monetarily. It's learning, right? It's yeah. knowledge. If you can make yourself better at what you do through that experience, then do it. I think working for free is actually a really good thing to do. Definitely. Um, definitely pick your battles. Like if there's a guy that's saying, "Hey, man, like." I need you to fly halfway across the world. I can't really pay you. And then we'll just meet, like, at this place. It'll be fine. Don't work for that guy. (laughs) Like, if you... I don't know. Say, like, you're editing and someone comes up to you. You're early on. And they're like, hey, you know, we have this script. We've shot this thing. Um, We don't have any money. Whether they didn't have any money to begin with or they burnt through it in production. We need someone to edit it. Read the script. Look at the material. If you're like, hey, this is pretty good then maybe you want your name attached to that. When it gets out there, you can, you know, be noticed for it. And then also on the other side of that, like the experience you're going to gain going through that is value in its own, you know? So like don't work for people that are just trying to be stingy. Like work for free if it adds value to yourself. And don't have an ego of like, oh, you know, I need to get paid for this. You know, I need money. Fuck you, man. Like, judge every project as is. If it's going to add some value to you, just do it. Like, yeah. having said that, I am a pretty firm believer in like, I've always had a day job. I mean, whether you're going to do a day job or just gigs for money, you do have to have money coming in. Yeah. Especially if you're in a, in a place where... You know, you like I moved across the country for this, so I don't have any family here. I can't live with family or anything like that. I have to pay my own rent and everything. So, like for those things, you have to, 
you know, go out there and get money. But having said that, like, if you have that opportunity, like, if my family was living here, I'd be like, Mom, can I live with you? Because I can put all this money I'm making into films yeah. and then better myself through that. So, you know, weigh everything around you. Don't be afraid to work for free. But at the same time, don't make yourself homeless yeah. working for free. Um, yeah. What do you think on the subject of working for free? Working for free is smart. I think you mm-hmm. have to, um, to a certain extent. Again, like it depends on where you're from. Like, if you're in a big city, mm-hmm. like Vancouver, for example, where there's a million videographers and just tons of people working in the industry, you're gonna have to do some stuff for free. Yeah. Like the actually the first set where I met you, that was a free gig. Yeah. yeah I, I called the guy and he's like, "Hey, we like what you do. Do you think you could come on two day shoot? Mm-hmm. We'll feed you, but like we can't pay you." And I'm like, "All right, fine." Yeah. But when I showed up, I was like, "Wow, a real set!" And I was all impressed by what was going on. But then that led to me, because I busted my ass on the set, the DP was like, hey, mm-hmm. I like you. I want you to come work for me. So I worked with that DP for like two and a half years. All paid gigs. Mm-hmm. And I learned like a bunch from this guy. So that just led to something even better. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's also going to be circumstances where you go to set and someone's like, you know, hey, it's full budget. I can give you a hundred bucks a day. You know, we'll feed you all that usual kind of stuff. And you show up and, you know, midway of the second day, they're like, oh, yeah, it turns out we can't pay you guys. Like, there's going to be times where it's going to suck. But, you know, if you're almost there already, just do it. And if it's a set like Latif's talking about where you can gain something and make a lot of contacts, then, you know, sure, you might be doing that for free, but you're not your next gig. Maybe you're going to get paid. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Free work. Be smart about it, but definitely do it and like if you're coming down to a job of like directing or producing or something like that there's often times too where like you have to pay to do it like for our first feature party stories you know I was the producer director it wasn't like I wasn't saying someone has to pay me for this because no one's going to do it I've never done anything before I paid out of pocket I you know lost like six grand somewhere around there but at the same time, like if you're passionate about it and you think it's gonna lead somewhere and you have the money, don't put this on credit cards or any stupid shit like that. <laughs> Save your money, then do it. Yeah. It can be worth it and it's all building blocks to something better. Um, so yeah, don't let money sway you that much and Yeah. It's all about the long game. Yeah. Because when we started we were like so like low in terms of like our position in the industry we had mm. no leverage yeah well this that we met on I was a PA you were a grip right? <laughs> exactly like literally that's oh, I was bottom of the barrel you were you were above me <laughs> but it, it I mean it's just a great example of like you know four years later mm-hmm. you know we made a feature yeah we're constantly working and like doing different film projects and it's just a matter of like knowing that over time it's gonna grow as long as you're working, yeah, get her. no one's gotten anywhere with that hard work. So you have to, yeah. you know, focus on your craft as well. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I'll start. I asked you how, mm-hmm. when you got your first job, you installed confidence into people to, you know, have them know you could do the job. Yeah. Mine kind of starts after this set that we met. So on this set, I got to knew, know the producer a little bit. And, you know, he asked me, hey, who are you? What have you done? Yada, yada. Just get to know each other. And I told him, you know, I just moved out here. Ultimately, I would love to write. And he's like, well, what else have you done with your life? I told him about my music career and how, like, I have written stories, just not in 
screenplay form, like right. a, through lyrics or you know whatever it may be. And he just happened to be working on this idea <coughs> that was kind of rock and roll-ish, and my previous band was very rock and roll. So he was like, do you think you could write this for me? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I can try. I mean, I don't see why not. And let's make a long story short, I wrote the thing. Didn't get paid or anything, but it still was a really big win for me because what ended up happening was, you know, I talked to this producer and right off the bat there, like, you know, it was my first time really on a set and your nerves are kind of pumping, you know, you're talking to the producer <laughs> and I showed myself that I could talk to this person in a way that, you know, I at least made him have some kind of confidence in me. He wanted me to write this thing for him. I wrote it. Having said that, I haven't read this thing since I wrote it, but I know nothing about it was correct from format down to anything. Like, it, it was a garbage fire. It yeah. totally was. But, you know, he didn't have to pay me, I th and I learned a lot from it. But one of the biggest things that happened was it lit a fire under my ass, and I was like, I gotta start writing now. Then yeah. I wrote, and I finished that, and I kept writing, and I kept writing just for myself after that one. But, you know, had that not happened, and he had not said, you know, go write this thing for me, who knows, maybe I never would have started writing and just been a bum that was like, oh, I want to make movies, I'm not doing anything to work towards it, but I want to do it, you know, um, so that was kind of my first experience on how I met someone and got their confidence and, you know, what happened afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, so having said that, like, after that shoot for the little trailer where we met, what'd you do for the next coming years? Um, yeah, it was a big climb. Like, after working for that DB for a couple of years, I, I had a bunch of onset experience. And um, I learned a lot about just, like, hustling on set. Because mm. you have to really, um, especially if you're in, like, camera department or lighting, you have to really always be on your toes. And I remember, like, just wearing a bunch of different hats on set where one minute I'm setting up a light with this guy or... Or, you know, rigging something up. Mm -hmm. And then the next minute, like, they need a second cam op. So, mm -hmm. and, and like in the attic, and no one can go in there. It's like, go in the <laughs> attic. And I'm like, all right, I'll get in the attic. And I operate the camera. So, learning how to be very quick on set um, and super resourceful was super important because, like, on set, like, as soon as, like, there's a problem, I'd, I'd always be the guy to think about, like, how we can solve it, or, like, right mm -hmm. away. And that helped with just keeping the, the flow and the energy moving on set. Because as soon as something like halts production, everyone just like starts getting depressed and feel like, oh, <laughs> we're not gonna finish, we're in the shoot, we're losing money. Yeah. So like, after doing that on set for a couple of years, the next step for me was like trying to make my own films. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple of projects and shooting music videos and doing stuff like that helped with my resume. And it allowed me to have enough work to create like a demo reel. Yeah. But to really like bring confidence onto anyone that I worked with on set, it was always just communicating like what I knew and what needed to happen. Mm -hmm. So if a director was like, oh, can we do this or that? I'd be like, yeah, totally easy. I'll take care of it. Yeah. But if we needed something, I'd just tell them what we needed. Yeah. Um, being very direct. Being very direct as a cinematographer or even as an editor, just being very sure about what you feel and what you want. Mm -hmm. And communicating that just brings a whole level of like, understanding like if you're with a director or a cinematographer and um, 
say the director is like, oh, can we make this look dramatic and kind of misty? Mm-hmm. And as a cinemat- cinematographer, if you're like, well, well, you know, we'll have to test it and. Well, I gotta know, like, let me research it. Like, the director's gonna be like, oh, God. <laughs> but you just have to be sure about it and go for it. Know what you're doing? Yeah. yeah. You have to know what you're doing, first of all. Like, <laughs> yeah. like a lot, like... Actually, that was a great moment from film school. What's up? Um, in my second term, I felt confident that I could shoot something and make it look good. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have that much experience. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really try that hard in planning. I was just like, ah... Oh, I'll show up and just kill this. Yeah. And I showed up and I ruined this girl's film. No way. Because I was the DP. I just didn't prep. <laughs> you know, we didn't really talk about anything. I just thought I was going to show up and like blow everyone away. <laughs> I ruined her film. And she was just like, oh, my film sucks. And I was always at earshot. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> what did I do? And I was just like sad. So the third term, um, we had these two big projects. And you can only have... Uh, one person do a key role on each of them and okay. I wanted to be a cinematographer so I planned everything to and like I, validate yourself totally <laughs> like that was just like super what I, I wanted to prove everyone wrong and be like I can still do it so I pitched I got the role and then I killed it like I lit everything perfectly mm-hmm. and everything was great so going into finals for this big final project I was the guy to be the DP on that mm-hmm. just cause I came back and like nailed it yeah but you know early on you have to take that big loss and make a mistake and learn from that yeah there's a lot of experience in failure yeah it's gonna suck shit at the time when you fail but just get past it and you'll be better yeah but then from there you can really believe in yourself so Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I mean on my side of it once we left that little trailer shoot like Latif and I didn't start working together um, intentionally like saying hey will you work with me for maybe a year and a half two years after that but we'd always like bump, bump into, each, into other. each other like we'd be working with someone yeah. that, or someone would hire me and then would hire Latif and it'd be like we're going to have a meeting with everyone and Latif would be there <laughs> so we got to know each other pretty well through that yeah. and after that shoot I just kept writing I kept working with this producer and I learned a lot about producing um, I, I wrote all the time I wrote and wrote and wrote I came out with maybe five or six feature scripts three or four shorts in two years yeah so wrote a lot uh, kept producing kept producing and then it came to a point where I called the Tief one day and I said hey man um, why don't we make some like corporate videos just to make ourselves some cash and then like we should work together because like I think I know this producing thing really well and like him and I are both writers and we both want to be directors and you know we now are directors and then Latif knows the post way better than I do so it seemed to be like a yin yang of sorts where we could just complement each other really well so I'm like let's get together make some corporate videos and you know raise some money and then make some films and we made like three yeah he was in the idea we made a couple corporate videos maybe did for like two months and I was like I want to make this feature film He's like, tell me about it. And so then we made party stories, and we're like, we don't want to do corporate videos anymore. <laughs> so it was very short-lived with the corporate, yeah. but it, it led right into this production company we run right now called The Night Between Lives. And yeah, we're just making films now. So like, yeah, I think when all is said and done, just like, don't be afraid of free work. Work your ass off, whether it's, you know, if you want to write and direct, write every second of every day. 
you know, you're going to have to make some per- personal sacrifices. Like I moved across the country. Um, a lot of the time I was working at restaurants. So when my shift was done, a lot of people would stick around for beers and I'd say, you know what, I'm just going to go home and write, you know, forego some things that I'm sure would be a lot of fun, but just keep grinding at it. If it's in that terms, if it's like Latif and you're on set, just keep going to sets, yeah. keep learning that way. You know, you're going to have some failures in there. Just soak them in, internalize them, learn from them, and then keep moving forward. And you'll know how to not make those mistakes again. Yeah. And like sacrifice, man. Yeah, big time. Just take care of your health. But like <laughs> yeah, in terms yeah. of everything else, just sacrifice. Like I ate Subway for a long time. You know, Subway is gross. Yeah, I, like especially we, after you eat it. We don't want your money, Subway. We're not going to plug you. Your food is disgusting. Um, <laughs> but it's cheap, so we just have to keep feeding ourselves. But, yep. you know, cut corners and, and put your bootstrap and put your money back into your film life and projects. Like, every time I got something from a gig, I just bought some lights. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you need lights to make films. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to reinvest in your company and your, in your future, so you know don't get a nice car when you're young and don't get a bunch of debt yeah save it or buy film equipment and here's another interesting thing coming from where i did music for call it you know six years like trying to do it do it and then coming into film i know a lot of people people will be like you know let's go to the set i can't pay you but i'm going to feed you and they're like oh that's bullshit i'm not going to work for food coming from music Working for food was amazing. I toured four years, man. Like, put, the band I was with put out two records. We played so many shows that, like, I can't even begin to tell you. Like, easily hundreds. And at these shows, we were a four-piece band, so they, we'd take the four of us. We'd work, you know, show up for a load-in at a bar at 6, do sound check at 8, be on at 11, and then you don't leave the venue till 3 pack up all your shit, go home. So you're working for like eight to 10 hours there. And between the four of your guys, the average would be like, you know, 40 bucks. So like a sandwich, maybe, you know what I mean? And then you're at a venue. You're trying to make these contacts. So like you're drinking beer, you're hanging out with everyone. In the span of my music career, let's call it, I probably lost $30,000, Like a lot of money. And then I remember my first day on a set, I was an extra right after I did that little chorus that saw a video in Ottawa, someone in it was producing a short. So she's like, I need an extra, come be an extra. I went, and I was like, you know, just doing what people told me to, and they're like, all right, we're gonna break for lunch. I was like, okay, cool, like, where are you guys going for lunch? They're like, going for lunch? What the fuck are you talking about? And then they rolled out all this food. I was like, this food's free? Like, we can eat this? Everyone's like, yeah, man, why wouldn't it be free? So like, you think you have it bad? doing film going to sets and eat free food play some music you have no idea how bad it is yeah work for free at least you're getting fed with film it's good and like music you're gonna take tens of thousands of dollars of equipment to a bar go work for like 10 hours and come home with dog shit yeah at 4 a.m and then wake up at 7 for your day job like you think you got a bad in film Pump the brakes. You got it really good. <laughs> yeah, like, This really, is awesome. On film sets, like, if if it's really needed, you know, of course you'll get fed, but they'll give yeah. you rides to sets and yeah, all that stuff's taken Very care. appreciative. So, 
it's not that bad. Exactly. Like, suck it up, man. <laughs> Especially if it's a cool project where, like, you read the script and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. I'd love to be a part of this. And they're like, we don't really have money. Like, just do it. Unless they're like, you know, we're shooting for four months yeah, and we don't nice. have money. But, yeah, just... I like how don't... it flipped. We're, like, trying to, like, give people confidence and we're like, stop being a wimp. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> At least you're getting fed. <laughs> <laughs> like, torturing our audience. <laughs> They're like confident for one for like one half, and then they just feel shit. <laughs> so, what do you feel listening to this? Oh, it was great at the beginning. By the end, I was just in the fetal position crying. <laughs> I know I had it so good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all I've got for you know yeah. the beginning. Anything else to add? So final project in film school. I ordered too much gear. Like way too much. I like, I only used like six lights, and I had like fourteen. And all these stands and stuff, so we brought it into the house, and there was nowhere to put it. And everyone, like, everyone was like freaking out, like, "Why'd you get so much crap?" And it was the first time on set where I actually like raised my voice and freaked out. I was like, "Shut up!" <laughs> I I'm can't still picture learning. you yelling. <laughs> I said I said something so hilarious, so so like, not like out of anger. I was like, "I'm still learning," and everyone's like, "Oh." It's true. You're in school. We can't be mad at him. <laughs> and then, like, everyone was, like, hustling to put the gear away and, like, trying to be on my side. Because, mm-hmm. like, at that point, I just, like, lived my truth. I was like, I'm learning. Stop bothering me. But the shit went great. That's good. So. Honesty is always a really so good screw thing. Screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty is always a really good thing, like, yeah. any time on set, like, especially if you fuck up. Um... If you mess up and something goes wrong, just own up to it. Yeah. Don't try and cover it. Don't make excuses. Don't blame just be someone, like, yeah. yeah, here's what happened. I'm sorry it happened. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Can we please work together to fix this? And nine times out of ten, as long as you weren't like, you know, I ran over the PA in my truck. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What happened again? <laughs> yeah. Then they're going to be like, all right, you know, people make mistakes. Let's figure out how to fix this. But if you're coming in with an attitude and you're like, oh, fuck you. Like, this is my fault. This is your fault. Then yeah. tensions are going to go up and it's just bad. So be honest. Own up and just be like, can you help me fix this? It'll be fine every time. Yeah. Right. Well, unless you kill the PA. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't own up to that. Yeah. <laughs> Lie. That's murder. <laughs> Alright, All right, so Thanks for listening. That's it. I'm Matt Ralston. Me too. We'll see you next time.